Welcome to the People First Leaders Podcast. My name is Doug Utberg, Marine Corps veteran, founder CEO of ExpenseReviews.com, and I have absolutely nothing to sell you. The purpose of this commercial-free show is to honor the leaders who approach life as go-givers by putting their people and customer value first. Stick around until the end of the show, and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in about 20 minutes. Let's go. All right, we are live, and we have Angela Lalandi with us today. And the topic of today's conversation is how to write a best-selling book as an exhausted founder, because, of course, this show is for founders and CFOs, how they can increase profits without layoffs. And a part of creating that brand for your business, especially if you're a personality-based business or if you're a newer business, in a lot of cases, is writing and selling a book. So, but anyway, Angela, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your company. Hi, Doug. Uh, thanks for having me. So I am a wife and a mother. I'm a mother of three beautiful little girls, ages two, four, and six. So I am busy and I own a title company here in Louisiana. It's a real estate closing company. So we handle all closings, dealing with the purchase and sale of property. And so that's the business called Lamont Title. Outstanding. Excellent. All right. Well, I'm just kind of curious. Tell me a little bit about how did you get into the title business? How did you know, kind of what the give me the condensed version of Angela's story from earlier in your life until now? Yes. Well, about a decade ago, I was in corporate world and this is before I became a mother. And so I was working long hours and I eventually got to the point I could kind of feel inside me this burning. This kind of happens sometimes with people who are entrepreneurs at art to you know, not to like forego the nine to five. And so that's what was happening inside of me. And so I was traveling to different parishes. We call them parishes. I think in your, in Reulet, it's called a county, but we researched the public records. I was doing that as a landman for a company. And then I decided, you know what? I love title work, but you know, how about let's, I'll start my own business. And so it was really a step of faith uh, back in 2018. And at that time, I birthed a baby and a business at the same time, and I call it twins. So I didn't actually birth two humans at the same time, but it was a business and a baby. And how that happened is I was pregnant with our uh, second daughter, and she was born five weeks early. So at this time, I had just set up the business, hadn't gone live yet with the software, with eight weeks of training to be able to you know, get everything set up to be able to have a closing. And so I had finished my training on a Thursday and that weekend I went into labor and had her. And so it just happened. And so I thought, oh my goodness, I had her. I'm not quite ready, but you know what? Let's do this thing. And so it was, we just dove in and and haven't looked back. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, and Chris, I'm just thinking, so our daughter, uh, she, you know, back in 2006, she was an eight week preemie. And so Maria, we were going back and forth from the neonatal intensive period for five weeks. Yes. Oh, wow. But yeah, the exhaustedness, I'm sure, took its toll. It, it did. And you know what? I think adrenaline really is, you know, helped because during that time, you know, I remember after I had her and I was so surprised that I had her so early. So I was sitting there going, what am I doing? Can you even do this thing? I started having these thoughts of, you just had a baby and you want to start a business. Who are you? And so I had a, a pretty low moments there in the hospital 
not to mention there were no hospital beds that were available for her. So they had to transport her by ambulance to another hospital in town. Wow. My husband and I were in one hospital. She was in another hospital and we had that separation. So the separation yeah. coupled with the, all these new beginnings that were happening, yeah. which by the way, she was born at eight, 18, 18. And the number eight is really a number for new beginnings. So it was kind of a neat thing that happened. Okay. All right. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, well, pivoting a little bit onto what's actually the topic of our conversation is writing a best-selling book as an exhausted business founder. So we've established the exhausted part because if you start a child and start a business at the same time, that either one of those is enough to overwhelm you know the average person. But you decided to do both at the same time and have written a best-selling book. So kind of walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, as far as the writing the book while I was doing all these things, yeah, yes. the book that I wrote is called The Lighthouse Method. And in, it is really, it helps somebody rise out of darkness if they've dealt with a debilitating setback. But really, The Lighthouse Method, the whole, you know, come into light. And it really chronicles my own journey. So I've actually had this message burning inside of me for quite a long time and finally got the courage to say, you know what, I'm going to do something with this. And so in the middle of and what helped me, yes, it, it was exhausting trying to learn the business. And I think especially at the very beginning, I was doing everything myself. This is yeah. before I understood the power of delegation. And but even at that time, when I first started, I didn't have any, any other people. Well, because yeah, people always talk about delegation. I said, yes, that's great. Once you have rep in, when you yeah. use zero, who yeah. are you going to delegate it to? And it was zero. So at the beginning, I basically, I learned everything, which really helped me as a leader because I knew how to do everything in the business. And so we brought people on and I was able to pay them, but they were, you know, they had value and they have value. It, it took things off me and it's taken things off me. So I really do have a place in, in space where yeah, I'm able to pursue these other things. And one of these things is the book that really isn't related to the title business but it is really empowering others that's what my true passion is and of course in the title business i love people we get to skirt people it's in, in a different capacity but i had such a desire to get this message out and that's what really fueled sitting down to do it okay excellent excellent well okay so tell us you know, as you were going through this process what was one of the primary setbacks that you encountered and how did you overcome it yeah setbacks in the writing process or, or just, just my, in, or just in the doing everything at once process yes. oh yeah well one of the biggest setbacks is fear period yeah. i had that when i started the company i had it when i had the desire to write the book in fact the book started out as a letter that stayed on my laptop for more than a year before i got in touch with somebody who knew somebody who got me a coach and that kind of thing so things sort of lined up and it was really stepping out. Once I had these people, they helped me stay accountable. So that was part of the overcoming, you know, knowing you're not alone. These thoughts of, can I really do this? I don't even know what to do other than I like to write, you know, and I have this message inside me. Yeah. But, but having those other people and knowing that you're not alone, it really did help. And just continuing the journey as you go, even though it's new, course a second time you know the next time I do this I'm going to have a better understanding just like with anything in uh -huh. life 
if you do it once, you have an idea of how to do it again. Gotcha. Totally. Okay. So now I'm going through this whole process. Tell me what's the biggest lesson that you learned? What was the biggest aha, the biggest takeaway that you're going to bring forward in your life? Yes. People are strengthened by your weakness. People are strengthened by your ability to be vulnerable. And that was probably the biggest takeaway in it. And it was liberating. There are parts in this story because it's my own journey, which kind of builds credibility into why I'm able to lay these steps out. Because it, looking back, once I was healed and whole, looking back, what are the steps that I took? So telling and reliving some of those things was really hard and difficult. But people will identify what you're going through. I would say to, you know, when you're sitting down, a person who's aspiring to write, sit down and not think about the fear of man because somebody is going to be so empowered and moved and touched dramatically because of your vulnerability and willingness to to tell your story. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's see. So going through this, unpacking a little more, you mentioned a lighthouse method. Can you tell us a little more about that? Give us some of the juice here. Yeah, I love it. So when I first thought about writing this book, the lighthouse really wasn't part of the process. And so I would just tell somebody, they don't have to have the title before they write the book. I mean, if they they have a general idea, sometimes it kind of comes after. So after you start, but yeah. I was writing notes in for a chapter I authored in another book and the, the image of a lighthouse dropped into my spirit. And from there, I'm telling you, I, I saw these steps and things go. So Step one, and I'll go briefly through them. I'll kind of I'll linger over one that that I love the, probably the most because all the other steps developed around it. But number one is prepare to rise up. Number yeah. two is become a prism. Number three, have the right support system. Number four, learn to bend your light and shine. And then five is find a harbor and become it. And that's at the end. That's when you rise up out of the waters of, you know, depression, anxiety, fear, whatever it is holding you back. You courageously take your step to reach the shore. You turn around, you actually find another lost mariner because once you're whole, you find somebody else and you can help to and guide them home. So that's kind of the gist of it. Step two is probably my favorite step. Become a prism and think, why, how did you name it that or why? But become a prism. You become a prism by being transparent and purified where the impurities in your life are extracted, allowing you to be a conduit for light. It was named after Augustine Jean Fresnel. Do you know who that is? No. I didn't either before I studied lighthouses. But the world knows him as the French physicist whose invention of what's called the Fresnel lens revolutionized lighthouse technology in the early 19th century. It is called, it's so interesting. I have a whole science twist in this book centered around this, but it is called the invention that saved a million ships. So before oh. this invention was made, it's the Fresnel lens is made of concentric sections of distinct prisms or triangular pieces of glass. Uh-huh. It can take all the light emanating from a source and channel it out into the night, penetrating to over 20 miles out to sea, which was a huge thing during that time. So you can see the light could pierce the night. Now, we too had that ability. So before Fresnel's invention came on the scene, too many sailors were dying because the light that emitted from the lighthouse at that time wasn't bright enough. So they, their ships would run aground on rocks. 
Because they couldn't see where they were. Just by the time you saw the lighthouse, you'd already hit the rock. Already, exactly. So with a person, we too, and I go with the whole prism, a prism is made of glass, but a prism, before it becomes a beautiful creation, there are impurities inside those materials that make up a prism and must be extracted what is transformed, like the dirt and debris is transformed to a beautiful, pristine, sustaining creation. So we, I do the analogy, I get the analogy with people too, becoming purified and transparent and how that happens in that chapter, but become a prism is so powerful. Got it. That's awesome. Are, are there more steps to the framework or is... Those, those are the five main five, ones. Five main ones. I, I, there's a bunch of things inside of those, but those, I guess for time, I can have had more. Well, how's this sound? Why don't we kind of walk through? So you've talked about this lighthouse framework and what would you say has been like the primary result you've gotten from it? What's the crown jewel that this framework has delivered for you? Yeah, yeah. When being able to see myself differently and see the world differently. So when we have things that happen in our lives that put us in the dark, our lens, which way we see life, not only see, but just the way we just see life in general can be is muddy. And we don't see things properly. We don't see ourselves properly, our circumstances properly. So when we are cleansed, and this happens if, if we made choices. So in my case, that's what it was. I made choices that put me in the dark. I made uh, horrible choices. And I dealt with a lot of shame, guilt, and oppression for a long time. So once I was cleansed and the impurities extracted, I could see myself differently. I could see the world differently. That's a game changer. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, and so, you know, kind of bring it back to the topic of, you know, writing that best-selling book. Yeah. Did, do you feel that that was the primary barrier that you had to overcome or was there another kind of key turning point? In writing the book itself? Yes. Yeah. So fear and really putting an outline together was like pulling teeth. It was actually difficult for me. I've had, I'm taking an actual a fiction writing class right now. And I'm trying to remember the teacher talked about there are two kinds of people, people who are some just kind of write what, you know, they just kind of float and just kind of, kind of comes. And the others are have to have everything done and organized and all this. I am not that person. I'm the other person. And generally by nature, it's easier for me to get a creative flow and just keep going. And so I didn't understand the value of an outline to help you write. And for me, I also realized, and so I think because of that, there was like a three-month period that I had this battle of, I don't know, I don't know. I'm married to this outline. If I create this, I can't change it. What if I don't, no, I don't think I like that. You know, so it was this thing. But what I learned is that with an outline, you know where you're going. Even if you don't know everything, you have a general idea of where you're going. You have the freedom to change content in there you can yeah. move around so you're not as restricted it's not like prison it's actually it actually helps you <laughs> to have and that's that that's one of the greatest things that i learned and because i had somebody there helping me that helped me stay accountable and also answer my questions it really helped me you know push through it so what i was able to easily more easily commit and continue and work it out Got it. Well, and because one of the things that I really feel like I'm hearing here is that the way that you go about doing this it really depends on what your natural style is. And so at least what I'm hearing is you know, if you are more of a, you know, of a just get ideas out person that you want to lean into structure. And I would think that if you're more of a 
when it is structured yeah. things type of person that you need to lean into yeah. just getting some of your ideas out. It, it's almost like you have to be able to move opposite to your natural abilities in order to really achieve your, whole, your full potential. I love that you said that exactly. As you're talking, I'm seeing, you know, the, the ends of the spectrum here. And it's almost as if in the middle is a sweet spot yeah. where you can be both. And what's what's so beautiful about if you have even just structure, um, bare bones, you can say, okay, I want to choose this today, but have the freedom to just flow with this section or this topic or whatnot. So that's right there in the middle. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Got it. Got it. That's awesome. All right. Well, so uh, one of the other things that I wanted to ask is, you know, as far as like uh, sort of writing a book, you know, kind of you know, trying to get it up to the bottom of the bestseller chart, what are some of the biggest misconceptions? What are thing, kind of some ideas that people have in their head that you had that are not really connected to reality or didn't align with your experience? Yeah. One of the things that some people might have trouble with, I guess, is with the time. They think, well, I have a full-time job. I don't have time for this, you know? And so th they give excuses or justifications why they're not able to do this. Now, look, I'm a mother to three children. I've got my own business. And, you know, it it's all about everybody has the time to do it. And I guess it's, it's a misconception slash encouraging word for those people that you can do it. It's all about carving out the time. So what I did, I had to block out time in my day as if it was a meeting. So if I was writing during the day, I would say, okay, this is what I'm doing this week. I have everything blocked out, knowing these are my writing a lot of times for writing, if it's during the day. Now, sometimes I would write at night after the kids went to bed or early in the morning, yeah. depending on, it, it, sometimes it was easier for me that way. And, and bless my husband, when I would burn the midnight oil, he was such a trooper. <laughs> But yeah, so I guess it's the time, you know, it's all about being intentional with the time that you have. Gotcha. That completely makes sense. Uh, well, let me ask you, okay, so are there any questions that I should have asked, but I didn't? Or is there anything that we've missed? I guess I think we kind of actually talked about it a little bit, or I might have, but should a person have a book coach or an editor, yeah. even if they think they're a great writer? And I would say, Absolutely. Having a soundboard, somebody who it's other eyes that you, you, know, you may be looking at your, your work and you don't see some of these things that they could see. They also keep you accountable and they'll help you. So having a book coach editor for me was invaluable. So yeah. I would say do it, do it, do it. Gotcha. That completely makes sense. And I know that that speaks to me because one of my historical shortcomings is that I never wanted to ask for help, which means that every painful lesson in life, you have to learn yourself as opposed to benefiting from someone else's experience. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We could talk an hour about that. <laughs> I, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, now let's have a little bit of fun. Do you have any questions for me? You know, I've been asking you questions this whole time. Now again, do you have any questions for me? I do, Doug. First, Doug, how do you pronounce your last name? Utberg. Utberg, Utberg dude. I, like iceberg. Iceberg. I didn't know if it was Ut or Oot. Well, or at least that's what my grandma said. And in my family, if grandma said it, then nobody questioned it. So. That's right. <laughs> so I read that the surname Utberg is uh, the most prevalent in Sweden. Yeah, that's not, yep. 
Yeah, okay. Sweden's yeah, Sweden, Scandinavian, yeah, Northern Europe. Is that, yes. that right? Have you been to Sweden before? And if so, when were you there last? I've not been to Sweden, although in 2015, when my wife and I were going to Europe, we did stop over in Iceland for a little bit. And it's funny because I only saw what we were able to see from the windows and the airport at Reykjavik. But even the stuff you could see out of the windows are beautiful. Um, you know, the, the, some of the blurbs that they had on the airplane, one of the things it said was that 60% of the population in Iceland believes in elves. And I'm like, okay, that is my kind of place. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Iceland is green and Greenland is ice, correct? Yes. Yeah, correct. <laughs> correct. It, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, because you know, Iceland is on a basically a big volcano. So there's the geothermal heat. And then the ash actually makes it. So there's a fair amount of foliage that that's around there. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. I do have another question. Shoot. What is a dream in your heart right now uh-huh. that it is brewing? Dream in my heart right now that's brewing up for myself, for my family, or for the world at large. Either for your family, you can actually choose what you want. Uh-huh. Something that's in there that you want to see, that you've seen and that you want to pursue. I would say the main thing for me is that I would like to help a significant number of people kind of detach from their own, I guess, feelings of insecurity or detach from their need for people pleasing. Yeah. Uh, Because I know that's one of the things that I spend a lot of my life kind of under is I'm a Gen Xer. And so, you know, every Gen Xer, we all grew up, there was a right way and a wrong way to do everything, you know? And so it was, you know, go to work, you know, Go to school, you know, work really hard, get good grades, go to get good college, good job, all that kind of stuff, you know, house, cars, bigger house, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I get roughly middle-aged and I'm like, okay, well, am I really doing all of this because it's what I want? Or is am I really doing all this because it's what I think people expect? Yeah. And so the big thing I would say is, you know, with or without me, uh, you know, because it doesn't all have to be me, but some, I, I want people to get clear about what they really want from their own life outside of what they think other people expect from them. Because I think just so many of us live based on what other people expect. And a lot of times we don't even figure out what it is that we really want. And if it does happen, it usually happens when it's not like too late to do anything about it, but it's, but you know, you're already at halftime. And so you only kind of have the second half of the game to try to mount your comeback. It's a uh, football season's only recently over. So I'm still yeah. football. But yeah, I'd like people to be able to really think about what it is that they really want out of their own life, you know, outside of other people's expectations, you know, and then also, as we're all going through the process of raising kids, instill in them that it's okay for them to figure out and pursue what they really want. And if they don't know that yet, when they're 18, or whatever, that's okay. Yeah. And that it doesn't have to be a template that I told them is the right way, the right thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just got heavy, didn't I? I love it. Oh, my gosh. There's definitely a book in there. You go, I'm... <laughs> no, yeah, I'll, I'll think of a snappy title. Well, and, you know, because... Born to I, please? Question up. Yeah. And I think that's... And, you know, we're veering a little bit off topic, but that's okay. Because I think that's a little bit of kind of where it gets to is that you, you think about, right, how much of your life have you spent trying to conform to what somebody else wants and at some, at what point do you say, well, I mean, do you just get like, okay, have I just let what I want, like, com- just sort of, you know, yeah. made out? Is that, yeah. you know, does that, <laughs> that even register anymore? Doug, I love it. And what you're saying right now reminds me, I just had a post this 
last week on this very thing, but it was centered around the call to create that too many people had been dressed in this suit of expectation that that's put on by them, maybe influenced by others. But in the end, we really dress ourselves. We end up pursuing these things that are expected of us rather than these gifts because all of us were really created to create. So what are these things, you know, whether somebody wants to dance, they want to write, they were, you know, are artists, you know, yeah. an entrepreneur, start a business, all these things, the creation of something. And we get blindsided and distracted by others' expectations. And sometimes it keeps us on the ground from moving forward into those things. Yes. Yeah. And, well, and, and particularly because as a Gen Xer, I kind of came up believing that the objective of life is to accumulate an enormous amount of money in your 401k so that you will not have to worry about finances when you retire. Yeah. Well, it's, there's a couple of things here. Number one, it assumes that you are doing something you don't like and that you want to retire from as, as soon as possible. Yeah. And it also assumes that the, the primary purpose of life is to be able to spend a lot of money. Yeah. Like so money was a driving factor rather than yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. It's like, but there are actually a tremendous number of people who have been very, very happy living on comparatively little because they were doing something they enjoyed as opposed to doing something that they didn't like just because it made you know it made a higher income. Yes, and the one, and, and then the other one is that you know there's also this kind of misconception that what you're doing doesn't matter unless it produces an enormous pile of money. It's like, well, okay, yeah. In theory and in application, in a lot of cases, the amount that you get paid for something is a corollary of the amount of value produced, right? You know, yeah. generally speaking, produce more value. That's usually when you can charge more. But there are also a lot of things that people do that ha are of tremendous value that they may not necessarily make anything from. Yeah. And, you know, it's not necessarily saying that we all have to become nonprofits, but it's not a one-to-one -one relationship. Yes. Excellent. All right. Outstanding. Okay. So last shot. You got anything else? How many kids do you have? We have two. Our daughter Jada is 16 and our son Nolan is 13. Okay, so you're way ahead of me. I would love some advice on, on I'm just trying to think in what capacities. We've got one in diapers. We've got one in first grade. I don't know. I think I'm still, you know, there's some days I feel like I have things together with them. And then some days I go, I'm like, I don't know. But I don't, they don't listen. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, understand that whatever the listening level is, it will not go up. Oh, no. <laughs> it will not increase from where it is. I mean, let's see. So if you have one that's in first grade. Yeah, it, the listening will peak somewhere between 8 and 10. Okay. It will peak somewhere between 8 and 10, and then it will decline. Now you, so you're on like declining. Uh... Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Well, I'm trying to think. I don't think I have any other questions right now. Yeah. Enjoy this time. Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. I think, yeah, the main thing that I would say is just understand that you only get to swing the bat once here. And so there are times when it's going to feel like all you do is drive and go to activities and all that kind of stuff. But at, at some point it will end and then you won't be able to go back to it. And you just want to make sure that you don't wish you were able to go back to it when that time comes. That's good. Yeah. 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 That's it's, good. It's, yeah. Because, yeah, exactly. This, that, that is the thing. Yeah, with kids, you, you only get one shot to swing the bats. So yeah. You gotta make it count. That's good. All right, Angela. Wonderful, wonderful conversation. Yeah, same, same. It was great. Really great to you. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for listening to the People First Leaders podcast. If you are a successful People First founder or CEO who would like to be on this show, please visit peoplefirstleaders.net forward slash guest. 
If this interview resonated, would you please share it on social media? Just take a quick screenshot on your phone and post it on your favorite social channel. Then make sure to tag me at Doug Value so I can give you and your business a shout out on a future episode. If you know somebody who'd be a great guest, please tag them on social and include the hashtag PeopleFirstLeaders. I really love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We're releasing new content and episodes all the time, so make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new episodes. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and they mean a lot to me personally. And also, I would like to connect with you on social. My handle is at Doug Value, or you can just go to peoplefirstleaders.net where all of the links are posted. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.